Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. I'm Ken Moore, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, I'm in Lone Oak, and we've just concluded a crop production update from the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, uh, an economic update, if you will, on uh, kind of where we are with our soybean and rice and other crop production in anticipation of the 2019 harvest. And Congressman Rick Crawford was here uh, to attend this meeting and is visiting with us right now. And Congressman Crawford, thank you for giving us just a few minutes of your time as you're back home now from Washington. And you're going to be kind of kicking off your uh, annual farm tour. Uh, what's your message that you can bring back from Washington here in, in the Delta, in this part of the state? Uh, soybean growers, it's all about the tariff situation. And, and as we speak, our administration is meeting with the Chinese again right now, yeah. trying to resolve that issue. Uh, where do we stand with that, and is there any hope for a resolution? Well, I'm a glass-half-full guy, as I indicated in there. We've seen a give-and-take, an ebb-and-flow with progress on talks with the Chinese. The most recent one they pulled away from, and the evidence suggests that they really didn't have the authority to agree to the deal, and the final deal that we offered in principle was agreed to, but in the end they didn't have the full authority of the president to say yes to. In contrast to our U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer, who does have the full authority of the president to execute the trade deal. And so um, that was where they pulled away from the deal. Now then, post-G20, we should be back in, in uh, communication with them this week. So our trade representatives are, are in front of the Chinese now. And I just don't think that their economy can sustain this for very much longer. I think our economy is fundamentally stronger than theirs. And I think that there are a number of factors that will probably uh, push them into a, a, a deal. And I think it was just a question of making sure that President Xi was going to go along with it. That said, we still have to, I think, here in the United States, farmers in particular, but anybody that's in any kind of business, recognize that there is some peril in relying on China as, as our sole market. And so there's some things that we have to do differently. I think as farmers, you know, farmers probably need to think about a more diversified crop mix. I think uh, the ag industry needs to think about how we improve domestic consumption and how we find other ways to use crops like soybeans. And then I'm also encouraged about what is really just fundamentally good practice of seeing peanuts emerge into the cotton acres because peanuts and cotton, agronomically, a good rotation, good soil um, uh, composition for peanuts and cotton. And they have the built-in uh, pivots typically, so it seems like a natural mix. Um, it, it's actually been a long time coming. They started peanut acres over, as we were talking offline, you know, this was sort of grown up in Randolph County and Lawrence County. And it's emerged now over on the east side of the ridge into that cotton base. And we're seeing more of it and more infrastructure emerge around supporting the peanut industry. I think that's good. Anytime we can see uh, um, more opportunities in ag production, that's a good thing for us. No question. No question about it. Uh, another factor beyond the tariff situation between the United States and China is the African swine fever impacts uh, that's lessening their need for beans as an animal feed. Talk about the impact of that uh, swine fever and, and how long-term that might last. Well, I think we're looking at probably an intermediate term. Um, they've got to basically rebuild a herd. So we're looking at probably three to five years. That's a good opportunity for us, as I mentioned, domestic consumption being uh, something we need to consider. 
So we'll probably see an increase in our hog herd. What we have to be careful to do is that we don't create a bubble here that carries over beyond that intermediate term and creates a problem for us here in the United States. So we have to do that, but do it cautiously and, and try to understand that by the time we get down to, you know, year three, four, or five, that things are going to be a little bit different. But in the short term to intermediate term, I think this bodes well for us with regard to increasing soybean consumption here domestically, going to a, a feed for a hog herd that will probably have to be grown up to meet the demand for China. They've got, uh, you know, a billion and a half people that they've got to feed. And uh, so their demand picture will probably not change with regard to uh, the number of people that they have. But because of their decimation in their hog herd, that means feed consumption will be diminished considerably. USMCA. Uh, where does Congress stand on that? I know the American Farm Bureau, we're all eagerly anticipating approval of that so that we can really get that fully implemented. But that's that's the future here, you know, in North America. It absolutely is. And I'll tell you that, that I, where I stand on it is I'm four square for it. Um, I think most of our conference is. I think what this has become now is a political calculus. Um, what we need is for the speaker to recognize how imperative it is not just for agriculture, but for industry across the spectrum throughout the United States to make sure that we do have good trade relationship with Canada and Mexico. These are essentially our brethren uh, here in the North American continent, and we need to make sure that we have that good, solid trade relationship with them. Uh, timetable on that? Will that happen this year, maybe 20? I know we got an election to deal with, so is that going to come into play? Well, we're kind of under a little bit of a time constraint. I think we have about 90 days to consider this. We're on a um, a five-week August recess, um, and so when we go back, hopefully this will be something that's teed up and, and we can move it sooner rather than later. But um, as I said, I, I hope that this can be viewed as a policy win and not a political win or loss for anybody concerned. I know that uh, Scott Stiles, the uh, university uh, economist, was just addressing the group here today, and he referenced the uh, market facilitation program payments. As farmers are calling that a Band-Aid, that it's helpful, thankful for it, but we need open trade markets. So, you know, talk about the market facilitation program, how that's going to help, but long-term, we've got to open new markets. Absolutely. The whole point of an MFP is the fact that we don't have full access to a global marketplace. So I think most farmers would agree we need to have, you know, unfettered access to the global marketplace, and they would take that versus an MFP payment, certainly hands down. In the interim, though, this is what we have to deal with. And so uh, the first round is uh, you'll be open to – as a matter of fact, I think today is the, the first day for eligibility to apply. So I'm encourage farmers to get out there and make sure that they visit their FSA office and – and fill out the requisite paperwork, and then hopefully um, by the time the ink dries on that paperwork, we'll close the deal with China, we'll move forward, and we won't have to worry about MFP payments. Congressman Crawford, one final comment from you, uh, just kind of based on 2019 being a historic year in the sense that it's been the most difficult growing season for farmers in the Delta, statewide really, even for hay crop production, things of that nature, because of the unusual weather we've had, dating all the way back to the beginning of harvest a year ago. We hope we have a dry harvest year over the next several months, but uh, have you ever experienced anything like this? And then on top of that, the Arkansas River flood. I have never seen anything like this. I've been actually, you know, as, as, a, as a member of the ag media in my previous career uh, before coming to Congress and covered farm news for years, 
this is probably the worst set of circumstances I've seen. It's, it's just unbelievable the the, uh, the the lags on planting, the crop progress we're seeing now, the flooding widespread, not just what we typically deal with in the first district because it's so prominent to have the rivers flooding here, particularly early on in the year, but statewide with the Arkansas River Valley underwater. And so this has just put pressure on everybody, and, and uh, there's just certain things we can't control, and there's certain things, you know, farmers just can't control. And that's the inherent risk of agriculture, and, and that's why it's so important to recognize the national security imperative it is for us to support agriculture, because these uncontrollable variables, dealing with weather and things like that, are things we can't predict, and, and uh, we need to be ready uh, to make that investment to support our farmers. My concern is I don't want to see a repeat of last year at harvest when we had all that rain that uh, led to, you know, damage of the crop and the dockage associated with that and that along with uh, you know markets being down it just uh, just dealt a severe blow to a lot of our farmers we appreciate your representation here in the first district congressman and appreciate the time you give us to update us on how things are going in washington thank you so much you bet glad to do it been speaking with congressman rick crawford on this edition of arkansas agcast